This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. Welcome back to All the Sins of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon and I'm here with Mims. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great too. Despite this like weird flood and now snow that we had today. Right. I was just about to mention that you guys, if you're watching, um, you may notice that we're not in the studio. That's because I'm not going to subject Fallon to driving in these conditions. Um, I know it's really slick out there, so we're being safe. Crazy. There's like cars flipped on the highway and stuff. Ooh, yeah, no. So we're not doing all that, and we are just zooming it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything you want to start with, or should I get into mine? Um, I don't have anything true crime, but the Bucks are um, undefeated in their last 14 games, so I mentioned that. Yeah, I'm sure somebody appreciates that. (laughs) Um, What do you have for us today? So I'm going to start off with stating that, unfortunately, Felicia Juana, the Ho-Chunk missing woman we uh, covered previously, was found, but she was found deceased. Her investigation is still ongoing. And then once we have more information, um... We will do an official update on her case. I don't, obviously we don't know anything. Nothing has been released about manner of death or anything like that. So um, we're not going to jump the gun on, you know, doing anything about that case. Does it say where she was found? I didn't really look into that. No. Okay. Yep. I'm just going to dive in once I have more information and just do like a second part to it. Look at that, because this is why her family was so adamant on trying to find her, even though she was an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I'm sure this is just, you know, heartbreaking for them because they were really concerned, and as they should have been. Um, so second, I want to add that last week's True Crime news did touch and resonate with a few people that reached out uh, to me and it actually brought me to tears with what they talked about and how that affected them. Um, It breaks my heart that so many people have similar traumas um, to what we shared. However, I am so proud that we are a source of comfort and understanding for others and knowing that we are here for people um, and talking about things that 
usually are taboo. Um, you know, people say like, don't talk about your trauma. Not everybody wants to hear it. Not everybody is able to emotionally take that in, but you know, people come to us and tell us things all the time um, mm -hmm. because they related to something that we said. And I'm just so honored that people are, um, you know, are able to do that with us. Definitely. So, um, yeah, we are always going to be open about talking about anything and we're always open to people um, reaching out to us and bearing their souls because, I mean, we love people and we love our listeners. Yeah, we do. And this whole like you can't talk about your trauma is bullshit because how are you ever going to feel better if you just bottle it all up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you just do things that cover it up by, you know, falling into maybe drug addiction or alcoholism, hoarding, mm -hmm. um, you know, things that help you repress everything, yeah. help you, um, I guess not help you, but lets you focus on other things that you're, you're not supposed to be focusing on. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to really deal with all of those things. So, mm -hmm. um, we are not for sweeping things under the rug. Right. We are for talking about the nitty gritty things, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're here for everybody. Yes, exactly. So um, that is it for me. All right. I don't have any. Oh, I did have one true crime news thing. So Taylor's business, her attorney was permitted to withdraw from her case. So she Good. is attorneyless right now. <laughs> attorneyless. I kind of want to work on her case, but. <laughs> I feel like she would just bring too much drama. Liven things up a bit. Okay. <laughs> we, we like it. <laughs> I want to get her side of things. Yeah. I would be really interested to know the, the bone details of everything yeah and like what what happened in court that you attacked your attorney yeah yeah because yeah. I mean her excuse can't be that she was on drugs this time so what is right. it so like did he say something did you hear him say something he didn't say like what is right. going on here mm -hmm. yeah okay well I believe I am first am I am I right am I wrong I believe you're right. Okay. So we have a center suggestion. I love these. These are super interesting as always. And I love when people are like, talk about something that I want to know. And I want you to yeah. talk. <laughs> right. Um, so we will be continuing to talk about Wood County. Um, and so this is, to talk about in Wood County. You know, as I realized with, you know, last week and now um, reading into this case, like there's community members that are like, we've had it. We have had it with all the corruption. And we're going to get into that in this episode. And I found I, I went like in a rabbit hole into another rabbit hole all in one county. Like, how is that possible? Because it's so dirty. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get into that, all of that, the good stuff. So 
This is the 15-year-old cold case of Deidre Harm. And my sources are WSAW, Wisconsin Clearinghouse for Missing and Exploited Children and Adults, uh, change.org, and we will never forget Deidre Harm's Facebook page. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, Deidre Harm was a 21-year-old young beautiful woman. She had brown hair and brown eyes and was loved by her family and friends. She had just had a new baby and she was really just starting her life. I mean, new baby, she's 21, so she is uh, legally able to drink now and be on that bar scene and just really start to get in the groove of adulthood. Yeah, get a little freedom. Mm Mm-hmm. However, in June 10th, uh, 2006, things in her life took a turn as she just vanished. Um, Investigators said she hired a babysitter to watch her daughter while she went out. And for a night of reprieve, she, um, she stopped with friends at several downtown bars in Wisconsin Rapids, including the Body Shop and the Finish Line. I'm not familiar with any of these bars. Are you? Yeah. Do you, what kind of vibe is it? You look at that smirk <laughs> on your face. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a whole different world there. Is it? I just don't know. I just, it's different. Okay. The body shop is a strip club. Oh, okay. So she was at a strip club. Okay, good for her. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, like, one block where the bars are. So everything is right there. There's, like, the strip club and finish line across the street. Okay. Yeah. It's a weird... It's a weird place. I'm going to have to go sometime. You're going to have to take me because I just don't... You don't want to go. go. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) We don't want to go there. We don't want to go. Okay. No. Um, so authorities say that she wasn't alone. She was seen leaving with someone and no one seemed to know who this person is. I don't know, like, is this a tight knit community or is there like a lot of people that are in this community? Do you know? It's small. Okay. It's small. So I feel Mm -hmm. with that for somebody to not know who another person is leaving with. And I feel like bar scenes, you kind of know who everybody is in a small town. Um, well, it depends on exactly when it was, because there was a time when there was a lot of people from out of town because there had been really bad hail storms and that brought in workers from all over to fix, like the whole town had hail damage. There was like giant hail that went through like the, um, what are the windows called? Like the sunlights in the mall. They had like crashed through those, like oh. all these people's roofs and siding and everything needed to be fixed. So, and then there was also a pipeline that was being built through there that brought up a bunch of people from out of town. So the local people probably all knew each other and everybody's business pretty much, but there would be a lot of people from out of town there too. Okay. Um, I don't know when... It, that was I think it was around that time yeah I I don't know oh yeah it's like 2007 but this is 2006 
So okay. not just yet, not just yet. Not just yet. Um, so authorities say, like I said, um, she was seen leaving with somebody, um, which happens, you know, it happens with people. One night stands are very common. So no judgment. No. This unidentified male was observed to be speaking with Deidre at the finish line bar. Um, and that's it. Um, she just didn't come home. And then her family was obviously like, this isn't like her. Um, she has a daughter. You know, she was just supposed to go out one night and um, that this isn't something that she would do. So one of Deidre's family members, um, obviously she was knowing that this is a missing persons case, um, wrote to Ashton Kutcher in 2006 on MySpace. And yes, it was his verified account. So it was him mm-hmm. and asked him if he could help, uh, if he could please help them find Deidre even if that just meant showing her missing person's flyer during a punked commercial break. And he wrote back, DJ Harm, period. I'll see what I can do, end quote. So unfortunately, five months after she went missing, she was officially found in the form of skeletal remains. So her while her family was reaching out to anybody that would listen, um, anybody that could help, she must have died that night that she went out for a night out as being a, you know, a new mom. That's so sad. And that's what makes it so scary to go out and do anything by yourself as a woman. Right. Her remains were found by hunters in the town of Seneca um, on November 20th, 2006. Um, So the distance from Wisconsin Rapids to Seneca is about 126 miles. Um, So it's about a 200 or a two hour drive. So that is quite the distance. Former Wood County coroner Gary Cronstead stated that the autopsy ruled her cause of death as undetermined. Um, He stated, quote, there are trauma on the bones, but we can't definitely say that it was from that incident end quote so they said there could have been something that happened but it's hard to pinpoint if it was actually the day that she died because it could have been from previous injuries or something like that or like animals or something or that too so it's it's really hard when it's down to skeletal remains mm-hmm. um i'm just happy that they found her because right so uncommon sometimes yeah authorities believe that the unidentified male might be able to provide information to this case however pinpointing him seemed very difficult and one thing that was baffling to me and in my research and to the investigators is that there were no initial signs of foul play there is nothing Besides the fact that a woman never went home and her body and remains were found in a wooded area. What else could that really lead to? You know, you can't, she didn't just, she wasn't just drunk and stumbled stumbled down the road and passed out in a bush. She was two hours away from where she was that, that night. 
Yeah. So then let's fast forward three years to 2009. Then the Wisconsin Rapids police chief, Kurt Hewer, made an announcement that they received a tip to check out 36-year-old Christopher Revick, a Wisconsin Rapids native who moved to Missouri. His description was strikingly similar to the sketch released by police. And police chief Hewer stated Christopher Revick at the time was also a suspect in a missing case that ended up where a female bartender went missing in which she was found to be connected to, that we were given a tip that that might be something that the agency wanted to look at, end quote. So let's talk a little bit about what they were referring to. He was a suspect in uh, the 2007 disappearance of 36-year-old Renee Williams from Missouri. Renee was a mother of three, and a bartender who worked at the Eagles Lodge in Ava, Missouri. And it kind of sounds familiar to this case because bar mm-hmm. scene, she was a mother. I, I don't know. I, I found that to be a little bit interesting. Right. So police say Christopher was a regular at the lodge and was there along with Renee the night of the crime scene. Another red flag because... Why is he why is he always there on the night that somebody goes missing? Right. In July of 2009, authorities arrested Christopher in connection to Renee's disappearance. Her case was more difficult and complicated as her body has never been found, which is so unfortunate. I hate when I hear that. Yeah. I know, me too. Because how do they know? Nobody ever knows. The unknown is so bad. The unknown is just baffling. Like you, you can't wrap your mind around it. Right. You have to sit and wonder all the time. Is my loved one alive? Are they dead? Are they they in a bad situation? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to prove that a crime, you know, a murder has been committed if there is no body because a lot of people say, well, that person could be um, just left their life. They may have wanted to escape or like you can't pin a person or pin a body on a person that you that we don't know is out there, you know, so it's yeah. a really hard thing to prove. As we see many times in the true crime community that when someone is caught, they can't take the heat and take the coward's way out. So he committed mm-hmm. suicide while in custody in Missouri. A non-guilty person does not commit suicide. I just want to throw that out there. So this was devastating to Missouri investigators and to Wisconsin investigators because now we truly don't have answers. Uh, Investigators aren't giving up in the search for answers. They believe even after Christopher's death, someone has a piece of the puzzle they'll need to close this case. Um, Well, both of them, actually. Yeah. All we truly know is that Deidre went out one night taking a break from being a new mother. Her uh, four and a half month old child has had her mom taken away from her. And one thing that did kind of bother me about this case is that the sketch of Christopher Revick was not released until after Deidre was found. And a lot of people that are family and friends and in the community say that 
if it was, he may have been brought to justice before he could take another life. Right. Um, if it was truly him. Right. Anyone that has information should contact Wood County Dispatch. Um, and the number is 715-421-8764 or the Wood County Crime Stoppers at 877-325-7867. And I kind of have a quote from a community member that I found to be interested and relevant. Many people here, including me, are requesting a John Doe investigation into some of the cold cases in our area. We feel that these remain unsolved largely due to the unprofessional investigations as well as corruption within our local government reaching all the way to the state level. Additionally, certain official personnel connections with main suspects in these cases clearly have created a conflict of interest. It is long overdue for the truth to be revealed and justice to be served for all, end quote. And that is the heartbreaking story of Deidre Harm um, that we just don't have answers to. But I'm hoping that someday somebody knows something, just, you know, comes out and says something, even if it's anonymous. I just hope that it, we get closure. Right. Maybe the suspect told a friend or a girlfriend or something. And like they, the police got a tip from somebody in regards to this guy to begin with. So I just hope that that at least that person or somebody close to that person or somebody that knows something just has the courage to be the solution to this because people need answers. I mean, it's great that we found her body, but it's not enough. Right. That's it. So great job. Thank you. All right. Today I am telling the story of Lisa Holstead, and my sources are WBAY.com, uh, Fox11.com, and GBNewsNetwork.com. So I'm switching gears from a cold case. This is a solved cold case. Okay. <laughs> like, like some those. of these cases got to get solved, right? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. So Lisa Holstead was found dead on August 12th of 1986. She was 22 years old at the time. And she left behind a five-year-old son. So again, another young mom. And it's a very similar situation. So she was found strangled in a marsh near the Bay's West Shore in the Bayport Industrial Park in Green Bay. Prior to her murder, she had been out going to local taverns with her living boyfriend, John Sott. So again, she just wanted a break, you know? Right. So to get out and have some fun. But while the two were on their way home, they had an argument, which, I mean, drunk people tend to do. Yes. So she's like, fuck this, I will walk. And got out of the car near the corner of West Mason and Taylor Streets at around 2.30 in the morning, according to witnesses. So whatever the argument was, she's like, I'm not dealing with it. I'm just going to walk home. And I'll talk to you when I get there. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. That is just, mm -hmm. you just don't do that. You don't let people leave like that. It's just, I know I it's know. 
I know you probably are like, okay, they need a break or something, but it's just, this is, this is always in the back of my mind. It's like, I could either be, they could either be really upset with me right now, or Mm -hmm. I could be upset with myself for something that could terribly happen to somebody that I love. Right. Right. But I think it makes it even more complicated when everyone is drunk. Yeah, for sure. There's nobody nobody is making the decision to like, nobody is in the right frame of mind to be like, no, this isn't a good idea. Like I'm drunk and mad. I'm walking. You're drunk and mad. And you're like, well, fuck you then bitch walk. Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) There's no like, we should have a calm discussion. It's just like a whole bunch of fuck yous. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I, I totally get it. And in 1986, you would think the world felt like a safer place. I don't think it was, but I think that it felt like it. Yeah, I don't. Especially when you're when you're young, you feel invincible, though, too. That's so true. Yeah, I, I think about the situations that I put myself in when I was younger. And I'm sure everybody has a story where it's like, how am I? How am I unscathed? How am I? here how am I not going through different traumas you know like because it's just like yeah yeah different things that you put yourself in when you're younger right exactly so Sat uh would eventually tell police that Lisa never made it home and then this case would remain unsolved for a very long time eventually becoming the city's longest unsolved cold case. Wow. Then at the end of October of 2020, the Green Bay Police Department announced that they had made an arrest. Mm, Okay. So the suspect, Lou Griffin, was someone who had not even been on their radar. Okay. I love those cases where it's just like, it just proves that people get so narrow-minded that they missed the big picture. And I try not to do that when I look at cases, but it's hard not to, because you're just like, well, it could be this person, it could be that person. But a lot of times it's somebody just outside of the scope. Which is like the hardest thing to figure out unless you're, you have things at your disposal, like DNA testing and all of that stuff, just because if it's like a random guy like that one um, that I covered with Nicole, everybody looked at the boyfriend. And rightly so, because he was, you know, described as an asshole. I'm not saying that he was described as an asshole. Yeah. It was a a random man from that just moved here that had Mm -hmm. no connections, you know? Yeah. It's so scary. It is. So in this case, too, investigators found him through the use of genetic genealogy. The Green Bay Police Department um, detective David Graff reached out to a company that does DNA testing for forensic genetic genealogy, and they ended up not telling them just only more about their suspect, but they also found potential relatives. Okay. So they're like, well, we have these people that have some characteristics, so they have to be related to your killer. And so... I don't, they don't say which service that they use, but it's something like Ancestry DNA or something like that. Right. So they sent the lab to, they sent the DNA to the lab for analysis. They found out his heritage, some of his relatives, and then this gave them a way to start looking for the actual suspect. 
they weren't really close relatives, but it was close enough that with them doing a lot of background work, they could make the family tree in reverse. Wow. Which is kind of crazy. So you start with whatever they had, the great, great, great grandparents or third cousins twice removed or whatever, <laughs> whoever, whatever relatives they found. And then they have to go from there, like, okay, so where did this person come from? Who were their parents? And then eventually get to a suspect. So they wow. used the information and then they found, they went through websites and databases to find people who might be relatives. I know police like to use, if you have on Facebook, like, this is my mom, this is my sister, this is my aunt. That information is public and the police do use that information. So that's right. one of the websites that they get it from. <laughs> you don't want the police in your business. <laughs> right. Yeah. So and they found a group of people that live in other states. And then eventually this led them to relatives in Wisconsin. And then it ultimately led them to somebody who had lived, a family member who had lived in Green Bay in 1986. So they said there was 10 to 15 different trees that they had started, 10 to 15 different like family trees they had started to identify possible relatives. This is a really complicated process. What a, what dedication. Holy mm -hmm. shit. Thank yeah. goodness for DNA. I just don't. And the people that really put in that work back then. Yeah. And it's really interesting to do this stuff, but it's complicated too. Yeah. You have to go through like marriage records and death records and census records along with the DNA matches. And it's the whole process. Mm -hmm. So they found these people that had lived in Wisconsin and they started doing more research on the family members that were in Wisconsin. And then eventually they found Mr. Griffin. And what brought their attention to him specifically was his past history because he had went to prison for sexual assault and then had just been released a month before Lisa's murder. He had just been released and moved to Green Bay a month before her murder. Wow. Like he, so, he didn't spare any time, like just no. right back at it. Yeah. Which tends to happen with sexual assault predators. Do you think it's because they always had that buildup while they were doing their time? And then as soon as they have the opportunity, they just jump on it or what do you think it yeah, is? I think it's because we don't rehabilitate people. We incarcerate people. They just sit there just wasting their time away and then they get out and nothing has changed because our system isn't geared towards rehabilitation no matter what they try to pretend it, like it is. It's just punishment, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just punishment, which doesn't help anyone. No. So at some point, Griffin had moved to Racine so the Green Bay police worked with Racine County authorities and with the FBI and um, DCI. And then they put him under surveillance in Racine. Like, we're going to watch him mm -hmm. because their favorite, you know, when you got DNA, what do you got to collect? Discarded cigarette butts and beer cans. <laughs> yep. Yep. Every time. And his DNA did come back as a match. They would so have a really hard time with me because I use reusable stuff <laughs> and like 
I don't know. I feel like I don't, unless it was like I was eating somewhere, they would probably catch me then, but I don't really right. like throw away a lot of trash out in the world. I don't know. Yeah. Cause you're not a crazy killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the detective Graf said that Griffin was cooperative when he was arrested. He voluntarily went to the sheriff's office. Well, even before he was arrested, he voluntarily went to the sheriff's office and talked with the investigators for a few hours. He eventually admitted to police that he may have had sex with Lisa, but he did not kill her. He just remembers that he was high on cocaine and drinking all night. And they still couldn't figure out like what his motive was. Because all he'll admit to is that they may have possibly had sex, but he wouldn't remember if they did. And he only admitted that because you have fucking DNA. You can't deny it. Yeah, you're caught. And there's still no known connection between the two. How about he's an animal? Yeah, he just saw her probably walking and he was high and drunk and wanted a victim. And there she was. Yep. Yeah. They weren't dating. They didn't have any kind of relationship. They didn't have any friends in common. Like they had nothing in common. And originally his defense was going to be that he had sex with her and then her boyfriend killed her. Oh my God. That's like literally like the same thing that we covered with Nicole. Yep. However, when it on January 27th, they called in the 80 potential jurors in anticipation of the trial. And at that time, he was like, no, I changed my mind. And they let him enter a plea to a lesser charge of homicide by reckless conduct. Which I'm not really sure why they did that. But he's now facing 10 years in prison. He will be sentenced on March 27th in Brown County. I'm not sure why they gave him the lesser charge. Especially since this isn't his first offense. He's clearly a career criminal. And in fact, he is the worst type because he, he, he sexually assaults people. He Mm -hmm. takes away the most precious thing that us as individuals have, and that's ownership of our own bodies. And Mm -hmm. to trespass onto somebody else like that is just so disgusting. I don't get it. And then you get a slap on their wrist for it. And it's just, I can't understand it. No. And then Lisa's family said like, she was a fighter. She was very spunky. She, they're like, she did not go down without a fight. She felt comfortable walking around because she was sure of herself and her ability to defend herself. So it's likely that what he tried to assault her and it didn't go the way he wanted it to. Right. And right. it ended up in her death. Because it seems like he took, he's like a person of opportunity. Like he saw her mm-hmm. alone yeah. at night walking. Yeah. And he may have been high or drunk or whatever. And, you mm-hmm. know, even without that, he may have just done it with his own want to do it. Right. And that's just ugh, so disgusting. Yeah. I feel like they should have at least made him tell them what happened. Like, I will give you this deal, even though I think the deal is some bullshit. But we'll give you this deal. But you need to actually 
admit to what happened in order to get the deal. Not any of this, oh, I'm taking a deal because I didn't do it. But your DNA is there. I don't get it. I don't know how they can live with themselves knowing that they made this deal with a man that committed a a heinous crime. Yeah, and I don't know if her family just didn't want to have to deal with the trial and stuff because they were planning on a pretty lengthy trial. I'm sure it was going to be messy. It's, you know, over 35 years old. Like, it could have been some of that as well. I don't know what went into that decision making, but 10 years total just doesn't, as a maximum sentence, I hope he gets the maximum sentence. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see. After he's sentenced, I'll update everybody on how much time he ends up getting. Yeah. Yeah, please do that. Uh, But I have a feeling I'm going to be very upset. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. He's very old, though. So in 10 years, I guess he could be dead. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, if he's old now when he committed it, oh, no, I guess he was younger then, right? Yeah, he was younger then. He's old now. (sighs) <sighs> well yeah maybe he'll he'll die in there yeah hopefully all right so that's well, the story of the Olstead. great job great job i feel like we're i hate that there's so many uh cases that sound the same i know and it's just like decade after decade because mm-hmm. this was from 86 and yours was more recent and it's just yeah it's constant yeah and then people wonder why women don't feel safe doing stuff by themselves like look at these cases right we and can like go out and have a drink and just maybe want to go for a fucking walk right because you might not make it home right and like uh, a lot of people will think that we're rude when we say, don't talk to me, or no, mm-hmm. I don't want you to ride, or um, you can go fuck yeah. off. And it's like, yeah, well, we have to do these things because we, the attention that we attract is so like predominant and it's so intense. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you guys don't get it if we don't tell yeah. you to go fuck yourselves. Right. And people think it's like, oh, well, I'm complimenting you. But if you're in my face and I don't want you there, I don't give a fuck what your compliment is. Mm-hmm. I want some space. Right. People just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. great. I'm cute. Thanks. Get the fuck away from me. Yeah, absolutely. And Because if we like you guys, you'll know it. No. Yeah, you'll know. It, you'll won't, know. Be a, it won't be hard to, to get us no. to talk to you. You won't have right. to buy us, like a billion drinks. Like it's just right. going to be genuine and organic. And if yeah, you're you don't have to chase that, us around. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if you are doing that, like just internally, just look at what you're doing. Maybe you're not trying to be a bad guy and you just don't get it. Maybe you're dense, but just <laughs> take it in. That yeah. person is not interested. I feel like we yeah. need to sit them down and play that movie. He's just not into you. Except, yeah, why is Mero she's not into you? Why isn't that a movie? I don't get it. I don't know. We should make one. We will make one. <laughs> All right. Well, we love you guys and we thank you for always listening to us being dedicated to our podcast. Yes, we love you guys. Bye. Bye.
All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love you. you.